Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast, the podcast of the official Man United Supporters Club of New South Wales here in Sydney. Um, we're not in curfew anymore. I'm not sure when the curfew kicks in or stops, um, but it is nine o'clock, but we are um, home, safe and sound. Um, Larry, I would ask how your day was, but um, Man United losing in the Champions League um, on a Wednesday morning does not start the day off on the right foot. So I assume I know the answer, but I might as well be polite and ask. Oh, very courteous of you, Tom. Um, unfortunately, Manchester United weren't as courteous, and it was a brutal wake-up this morning. Um, I, I didn't watch the game live. I, I had the willpower to stay away from my phone. <laughs> but damn, yeah, it, it was not a good game. I'll put it that way. Well, that's the thing. I think it's been so depressing sort of reading Twitter, reading social media sort of thing. But what I did to um, sort of try and put a smile on my face, which I urge everyone to do, um, good friend of the supporters club, Paddy Crear, and his podcast is out on the Man United app and all the podcast apps. I urge everyone to go and listen to that because um, that definitely put a smile on my face because obviously the football in the morning didn't. But um appreciate everyone waiting in the chat. There's a few comments going in. I assume there'll be a lot of comments today. There's a lot of people in the chat and watching already um, because obviously today will be quite a not emotional podcast but an intense one. I think there'll be a definite debate and difference of opinion. So um Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and feel free to get your opinions in um, on everything. And just before we start, obviously, we're going to sort of dissect the football and everything, but just, Larry, and I also sending out our thanks to everyone because one or two people, actually actually more, I've got about five or six in the past week, just messages from people saying thank you for sort of the efforts we're putting in on the podcast and YouTube, um, which is we appreciate it very much because Larry and I have been around sort of Twitter, or not been around, but sort of Twitter and YouTube in recent seasons, sort of thing like watching people and listening and it is so toxic, but all our listeners so far have just been nothing but polite and respectful, which we are definitely grateful for until maybe this episode and it might get a little bit heated and a little bit difference of opinion. So hold back um, all those kind words because it very well might change in the next half hour. Where do you want to start though, Larry? Um, team selection? I, 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 don't, I don't know. You take the range for a little bit while I gather my thoughts on, on the team selections. I haven't really thought about it. Yeah, um, actually, I did have time to think about this, and I didn't like the lineup, Tom. I, I didn't think there was enough rotation. I think Lindelof was one anyone could have expected. Um, but i got to be honest, I thought there was a real lack of pace in that team. Uh, we saw Donny van der Beek start, which was great, uh, but then you had Pogba in there, and you're looking at the lineup and you're thinking, where's, the? I guess, the attacking flair going to come from? Um I didn't like the fact that United lined up with only one wide, natural wide player being Jaden Sancho. And then you had Diogo Delo still sitting on the bench. I know he did come on, but that definitely wasn't part of the plan. And then you've got Paul Pogba occupying that left mid wing sort of position and expecting Luke Shaw to sort of provide the width. And I just didn't like it, to be honest. In saying that, I thought United actually we're in complete control of that football match i know there was a differing of opinions in in our group chat i thought united were did not look like losing this game at all um until aaron wambasaka got sent off so easy to throw criticism but i felt there was a genuine lack of pace in that side yeah no definitely well some of the comments here alex as well saying and i assume this is tongue-in-cheek and it's kind of true in terms of the way it, everything is spun into the narrated post-match but ollie is always seemingly one loss away from the sack no matter what he does we could win 12 on the bounce we lose one game and he's obviously one game from the sack so it is interesting before we get on actually we'll start sort of chronological order it started well bruno fernandez with look it's almost forgotten about now but one of the passes of the season great assist 
and Ronaldo does what he does. Ronaldo with another goal, and he's a, he broke or not not broke. He reached the all-time appearance record in the Champions League, and, all, and obviously with that goal breaks his own record of Champions League goals, which he'll break every time he does score. So um, it started well. Um, that's the one positive. Anything to add on that? What a brilliant pass! It's such a shame that it's been overshadowed in a loss because it was world class. Bruno Fernandez that ball and. That's really all. I think that's where the positives uh, start and stop for United, unfortunately, this evening. Yeah, it's about it. Well, we'll go to the first negative and we'll get your thoughts in in the comments as well. And we'll try to get to as many. There are a few comments and a few people watching. So um, apologies if we don't get to them all. But um, on the red card, um, yeah, we have a group chat going and there's a few differences of opinion. He can't have any complaints. It's a red card because of the force and the contact. Now, that contact happens 100 times a game. I saw Harry Maguire do the same tackle two times before that. The player, it didn't make the same impact though, but it's the exact same contact, but without the impact. Um, there's no malicious intent by Aaron Wambasaka. Players know that's a yellow card tackle. It's a foul, it's a yellow card. However, the referees do referee the, by the letter of the law and they see the studs on the ankle. And by that means, while it's harsh, Wambasaka can have no complaints. So I'm definitely not blaming the referee for sending him off. Um, it is a re- it's a red card in a referee's eyes. It's a yellow card in a player's eyes. But... Um, Unfortunately, it is the referee who has the whistle, so you had to stand by his decision. So while it was frustrating, I can have no complaints with the red card, to be honest. Look, I've had time to process this. My initial thoughts when watching it was, surely that's not a red card, but his foot's up, it studs, it studs up on the ankle. Um, so at the end of the day, like you said, it's forceful contact. And if that was a United player on the receiving end, I think we'd all be calling red murder. So... Look, it's unfortunate, but it all happens because Aaron Wambasaka's touch wasn't quite there. So, um, yeah, look, really unlucky, but in saying that, it's probably the right call. Yeah, no, let's, well, I don't know. There was an article. I didn't click on it because I've been trying to stay away from as much United content as possible today. But there was an article saying how many games he's suspended for. I'm not, not sure. So maybe someone could put in the chat in regards to um, how long his suspension is because that'll be interesting with... Um, uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka's suspension, Diego Delo's need for minutes, um, how many games he actually does miss in the Champions. They just got a good comment here from Scott, our resident Arsenal fan, the Norwegian Arteta. Um, good to have you, Scott. But look, like Optus, I had a bit of a dig at Optus Sport today. I don't give, I don't know what Optus, what gives them the right to talk about European football this season. They lost the rights and sort of gave it to Stan, which has been a shambles so far. And um, Arsenal um, fans shouldn't be talking about Europe, but it is good to have you, Scott. I'll make sure you can leave a link to your channel, It's a Football Thing, in the chat below. I urge everyone to go and follow that channel. Um, it's a very good channel. There's a few other comments here as well. But we'll go in. The red card happens. It is then up to Solskjaer to change. It was about 10, 15 minutes ago in the first half. So it's, it's still a substitution had to be made. He couldn't sort of ride it out to halftime. We're well, 1-0 up. Something had to be done. Before we get into the tactical side of things, um, Jaden Sancho coming off and DeLo on. Um, was that the right substitution for you? I don't know. I get what the, he was... The line had to come on. The right back had to come on. My decision is, is Sancho the right decision to take off? Look, at 1-0, if... I get it. I get it. It's difficult to say whether it's the right one or not. I can understand why you'd want to keep midfielders on because that allows you to keep the ball as much as possible despite being one man short. But I also think you took away the one bit of the natural width, someone with the ability to actually be direct. You know, of course, Ronaldo is capable of that, but 
He's more about getting a, a, an end product player now. So I think United removed a lot of threat in Jaden Sancho. In saying that, maybe Oli decided, you know what, we're down a 10. I'm just going to defend this. Now, whether that's right or wrong is debatable, and that's going to change person to person. I, I don't necessarily disagree with it um, in saying that I could have made a case to potentially take off a midfielder like a Bruno Fernandes. Well, that's the thing for me in terms of it's a very easy substitution. And I sit here and I say, well, Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp or even Sir Alex Ferguson used to do this. If we get a red card in the first half and when Ryan Giggs or Paul Scholes is playing, is he taking Ryan Giggs off? Of course not. No, of course he's not. Jaden Sancho is the easy substitution. He couldn't take Donny van der Beek off. If he took Donny van der Beek off in that situation, I know he took him off 10 minutes later. That was a completely different scenario. If he took him off halfway through the first half, Donny van der Beek might have actually killed him on the sideline. That couldn't have happened. He had to take the youngest player off. He wasn't taking Bruno off, which I think should have been the substitution. Um, as much as I love Bruno, I think tactically taking your number 10 off there is probably the safest bet. It, create, it keeps you with a little bit of width. You're not taking Ronaldo off. You're not taking Pogba off. You're not taking Fred off. And obviously, Van der Beek is in midfield with Fred. So um, I would have kept a little bit of width with Jaden Sancho. And that is my main criticism, which we'll get into the discussion around um, Solskjaer and the criticisms. My main criticism of him is while I can understand that, and I've seen better managers than Solskjaer make the exact same decision, Solskjaer does need to be brave there and say, look, Bruno, and Bruno did nothing wrong. Bruno, which we'll get in the three to ones, might have been one of our players, uh, better players today. But I think Bruno was probably the right substitution there. Jaden Sancho um, was a little bit hard done by it. And then obviously Donny van der Peek was hooked at halftime. And that's another discussion. But um, we'll, just, we'll go on to Solskjaer, seeing that we're talking about him and sort of who takes responsibility for this defeat. So get in your comments. Um, I'll try and put as many up as possible as we go. Um, in the live chat. But, Larry, where does – look, it's team game. The manager has to take responsibility. The players have to take responsibility. But, um, as the title says of this podcast, the blame game, where does it lie? Because I've scrolled through Twitter for about 20 minutes today and Solskjaer is on, like someone said earlier in the chat, the verge of being sacked. And it's hard to believe we are top of the table. I know it's only four games into the Premier League season, but I don't understand how this is a discussion. Solskjaer needs to take responsibility, but how is he responsible for Jesse Lingard's back pass? And that's not to blame Jesse Lingard, like it's a team game, but that happened. That is not on Solskjaer's doorstep. But just where do you stand on uh, where the responsibility does lie? I think the responsibility lies somewhere in the middle. It's Solskjaer does have to take responsibility because he's the one responsible for the team selection. And ultimately, the team he put out there didn't get the job done. But it's not Solskjaer's fault Raphael Varane doesn't get in front of his man for the first goal. And it's also not his fault Jesse Lingard plays an awful back pass for the second goal. And if Jesse Lingard doesn't make that mistake, we're talking about an away result in Europe. I don't care if it's against Young Boys. I don't care if it's against FC Midgeland. An away trip in Europe and getting points or a positive result from that fixture is a positive result. Okay, because Manchester United need to focus on what, what's the philosophy of Champions League games, Tom? You win your home games, get a result in your away games, you go through, okay? That's what United's focus need to be. I, I don't, I've don't. i seen this comparison, and Rio Ferdinand touched on it today in BT. He was trying to compare it to the Fenerbahce game. I think it's completely different. The Fenerbahce game was complete ignorance and individual errors at a maximum capacity, whereas this one... I don't think it was individual. Of course, it was individual errors, but there wasn't anything tactically wrong with what Solskjaer did. I think the the end result comes because of an unfortunate red card, and it was just one of those games where you're on an artificial pitch, it's something you're not used to, and it can just unfold for you. That's football. Manchester United are not entitled to turn up 
and just demand three points. It just does not happen that way. Yeah, no, I'm with you in terms of the European competition. I've seen us lose to far worse teams in Europe. Um, and be, I, I remember us getting knocked out of Europe, Fergie knocking us out of the Champions League in Switzerland um, to Basel, and that was a team with Rio Ferdinand, Vidic, Rooney, Giggs, Evra. Um, so it has happened before. Just to comment here just quickly, Samir, um, off topic, what streaming platform do you guys use? Um, StreamYard. So just Google StreamYard. Very nice and easy to use. I'm um, just comment here. I've just seen here from Tom Coburn from Sydney to, um, in regards to the comment I just made saying we're top of the table after four games is a way um, to brush off criticism rather silly. That's no achievement. I'm not saying that it's achievement or brushing off criticism. I'm saying you cannot sack a manager who's top of the table because that is what people are calling for. And it might be a stupid amount of people who are calling for that, but it's a, it's a loud voice. And that voice is sort of... It's dictating the narrative around the fan base, and Solskjaer should not be sacked this stage of the season. It's absolutely, it would be a criminal decision, and it won't happen, rightly so. But um, yeah, I'm just filthy with the actual the reaction to this because, as I said, Sir Alex Ferguson got us knocked out in Switzerland only a couple of years ago, or a couple of years ago, it was about 10 years ago. But yeah. just on that, in, in regards to um, the change, Solskjaer's change, um, okay, Jaden Sancho came off, Delo came on. What was your opinion on the change to a three at the back at halftime with Varane came in, come on, because that's another criticism I've seen, those defensive substitutions and change in the system to a three at the back. Now, before I get your opinion and get your opinions um, in the comments, I didn't agree with the move in the three at the back. However, me not agreeing with it doesn't mean I'm trying Solskjaer under the bus. I had to dis- I'll do something different. If I'm the manager and my, my team gets a red card in the first half, my, what I would instantly revert to and obviously different games call for different tactics regarding on your personnel and who the opposition are. But if, if I get a red card, I revert to 4-4-2, or not obviously without the two, 4-4-1. Two banks of four and a striker. So that's what I would have done. However, if you look at our personnel in midfield, we have Paul Pogler, Donny van der Beek, Fred, and who was the other one? Bruno. Bruno, of course. There's no width in there. So if we play two, uh, two banks of four, we have absolutely no width in that midfield er- area. So what I can see, while I didn't agree with Solskjaer going all back three or back five, depending on how you're looking at what I can see Solskjaer's thinking was, well, we're not going to get any midfield width, so let's pack the midfield and let's allow Diego Delo and Luke Shaw as wingbacks be able to push maybe 10, 15 yards higher, and they're the ones who can provide the width. And now that didn't happen, whether that be on Solskjaer or the players or just how the game panned out. That's unfortunate or who knows. But that is why I can I, I didn't agree with Solskjaer's decision to do that, but I can see his line of thinking as well in terms of young boys bringing that big striker on or likely to bring that big striker on. I can see the introduction of bringing Varane and sort of dealing with crosses and having that sort of solidity. And obviously we did concede a goal um, from a cross in terms of Rafael Varane, but I can see his thinking in packing the box in terms of the way young boys were going to play. So while I disagree with Solskjaer's reverting to three at the back or five at the back, it's not a case of, oh, it's the wrong decision, sack him, he's no good or he's clueless. It was just, well, he's made a decision. As you say, he was 30 seconds away from making a very good tactical decision and it's up to Jesse Lingard to do the right thing. Jesse Lingard didn't and Solskjaer is the one who takes the criticism. I didn't agree with the three at the back either. Um, I think when you get a man sent off, you want to keep the system as fluid as possible or as, 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 as consistent as possible, I think is a better choice of word there. And what he did with the three at the back, to me, now again, this might be interpreted wrong, but from my perspective, in Solskjaer's mind, and for me, this is a bit of a, it's a bit of a stick to beat Solskjaer with. I think with his big name players, he doesn't have, I'm wondering whether he has the personality in him to actually say, actually, no, I don't need to bring Varane on here because that's not the issue. You know what I mean? And I felt he almost feels a need to cater to his big-name players 
where he can have a scapegoat such as a Donny van der Beek take him right off. That was that was where my frustration was, Tom. And I thought that was a, a, a lazy decision by Solskjaer. And again, I could be perceiving this wrong. I'm not saying Olia or anything like that. I just think it was a very easy decision to put. I got my big name signing. I can't upset him. I've already benched him for half the game. It better I get him on, keep him happy, and I'll just pull off Donny, who got 45 minutes. Like, I just, I just, that's how it came across to me. I, I just felt it was a little bit naive. Well, that, that, that's my criticism, and you reverted back to our last European disappointment, the Europa League final, and that is my criticism. And it's not, it's not about him having favourites. It kind of is about him favouring certain players or sort of not being as sort of ruthless with some. And it's Marcus Rashford. He's obviously not going to sub Marcus Rashford. It's a very good chance if Rashford came off in that Europa League final, we are going to win the football match. But he kept him on because Marcus Rashford is this huge figure for Manchester United. He's, very, he's, a big, he's a big personality. And that's the same thing here, which I said my initial reaction was, okay, Bruno Fernandes is a match winner, but Bruno Fernandes should have been the right substitution. Now, just speaking of another substitution before we sort of move a little bit further on, I'm obviously the main man at the moment, Cristiano Ronaldo. A lot of people before the game were saying he shouldn't play. It's an artificial pitch. We should be resting him for the Premier League game. Now, he's on there. He scored a goal. Maybe he even should have got a penalty, which we haven't discussed. Um, me, personally, I don't think it's a penalty. However, if that's on halfway, the referee blows for a foul. So <laughs> it's a hard one. Um, but in regards to the Ronaldo substitution, a lot of people who are calling for him not to play and to be rested, I asked you the question in the comments as well. Did you want Ronaldo... Because the the position who does the most running on the field when you have ten men is the lone striker. Did you want Ronaldo, a thirty six year old, doing thirty minutes of doggies chasing fullback to fullback for an extra half hour? Because if he then goes into the West Ham game a few days later and doesn't score, we're then going to revert back and criticise Solskjaer for not taking him off against young boys when it's ten men. So just your thoughts on the Ronaldo substitution? Because while I agree, what are you doing taking your best player off? It was the right decision for me. I've got to say, I agree with you, to be honest. Um, artificial pitch, mate. It's hard on that. When you and I played on an artificial pitch, we were complaining for a week. So I can only imagine what it does. Well, yeah, you're an old man, Tom. But when we're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo, you need to – I know, obviously, the competitor in him wants to play every game. But United have a responsibility, and Solskjaer has a responsibility to protect him from himself, right? So I agree with that decision. And I think we had enough. If he was playing for the draw, which he clearly was – Taking Ronaldo off at that point in the game was the right decision. I don't think with 10 men, we were, we were looking to put balls into the from the wide areas and get it into him. So, no, I think it was the right call, to be honest. And I would rather save him for the games that we know we need a result in it to come rather than risk Ronaldo getting injured in, a, in the first Champions League match in the group stages. So, no, right call for me. Yeah, well, just a comment here from Ryan, which we forgot about, which we didn't really touch on, but saving grace is the other game was a 2-2 draw, so not the end of the world. Just a comment here, which I'll throw to you. Um, oh, no, sorry, sorry, Adrian, this one from Josh. What are your thoughts on Shaw? You went hard, hard on him in the Newcastle game first half, and rightly so. I thought he was poor last night, especially for their first. And I think it comes down to the word I use, and I hate to use it with him, but he was lazy. And look, Roy Keynes did the same thing. I think, I think it was a goal. Bernardo Silva scored for Manchester City at Old Trafford once. Um, Roy Keane called Luke Shaw out saying he's lazy. You just got to go two yards, and that's what Luke Shaw did today. I think he's when he engaged with the play, he's finally defended quite well. But what he needed to do for that cross, and look, it's very easy sitting here on a couch at three in the morning. But what Luke Shaw needed to do was put a five-yard sprint in to stop that cross. Maybe not even stop the cross, but just put something in the cross's mind. To, okay, he has to curl it around me rather than just pass it in because the cross wasn't really a cross. It was just sort of passed it into the box, and he got a lucky deflection. If Luke Shaw is a yard closer. 
that deflection is completely different. Might go out for a corner. Might you might be able to trap the ball. It might bounce the other way. It doesn't bounce past Harry Maguire in the way that it does. So Luke Shaw's performance for me, very similar to the rest of his performances this season. A little touch of laziness for me. I have to agree with you. I think with Shaw, what we're noticing, or at least what I'm seeing, and you know, please get your comments in and let us know what you think. He's putting 100% effort into the attacking side of his game and 50% into the defensive side of his game. He's not Cristiano Ronaldo. He needs to be putting in effort to both sides of, of the football pitch and both sides of the ball. Look, I, I think like we touched on with the Newcastle result, Tom, Luke Shaw is suffering from a lack of competition at the moment. He plays best when there's someone nipping at his heels. Unfortunately, at the moment, Tellers is still recovering. Brendan Williams has gone on alone. Diogo Delo is a right back rather than a left back. He's simply got no competition. If he's not putting in, who's going to replace him at the moment? Hopefully, once Tellers is fit, can put in a good run of games, and then we might actually see Luke Shaw kicked back in a gear again. Yeah, just comment here saying he should be hit, hit the panic button and park the bus. Yes, down a man, but we're playing young boys, not Liverpool. Have a go, Ollie. He ran away from the contest cowardly. I think whenever anyone uses the word coward with him, I think it's a hard one. Um, you're not going to say that to his face. I think it is a little bit um, easy to say that. Um, if you meet the man, you're going to shake his hand. I don't think calling him a coward um, does anything good for the fan base. But look, young Ronaldo, Ronaldo and Juventus lost, lost to young boys a couple of years ago. Um, Thomas Tuchel got a man sent off against West Brom and lost 5-2 at home to Big Sam. Sometimes when a team gets sent off, uh, a player gets sent off, um, sometimes, unfortunately, you, you lose. I think we still talk about Jose Mourinho's semi-final against Barcelona for Inter Milan. The reason we talk about it is because it's so rare. It, it very rarely happens that you sort of overturn it and keep the results. So I understand the frustration and agree with it as well. I didn't talk to my wife today. I didn't take my dog for his morning walk. I was so pissed off. I just wanted to sort of forget about the day, but you do have to take a step back and realise these are professionals trying to do the right thing. And I, I bring that towards Jesse Lingard's point. He's copped a lot of abuse, maybe not as much as Solskjaer, but um, it's a bad back pass. But the reason I think, I feel, look, it's, it's a horrible mistake, but I feel for him because he hasn't meant to do it. The only player I've ever seen mean to do that back pass is Steven Gerrard. He once saw Didier Drogba in the title race, Man United <laughs> in the title race with Chelsea. No, no, he, he saw Drogba and he played the pass. Steven Gerrard did this pass seven or eight times in his career, seven or eight mistakes, but one of them he saw Drogba and gladly played in the ball. And I don't even know if that's tongue-in-cheek. I, I honestly wanted an investigation into that in the time. It was a 9-10 season. But um, that's where I come down to, the blame game. Jesse Lingard, look, he's just as much to blame. It's a, If that goes out for corner, if that goes out for throwing or he turns and passes the ball, it is a completely different result. And we're talking about a quite sort of astute performance by Solskjaer. And now Jesse Lingard does a bad back pass and we're talking it's an absolute disaster class by Solskjaer. That's what it's all about. When we did our season preview, Tom, we discussed this. When you're when you're defining success over a season, many will tell you Solskjaer needs to make top four. Solskjaer needs to have a title challenge. Solskjaer needs to win a trophy. What if he misses out on a trophy in a penalty shootout like he did in the Europa League final? Or we're close to winning, he, he loses two of his best players suddenly and it all hits the fan. Or, a, or David De Gea trips over the ball and it goes in the back of the net. There are so many factors that determine a positive result and a negative result. Nothing is black and white in football. You always need to provide an element of context, okay? So that's the thing. I, and I agree with you. I think if Solskjaer, like we opened this video with, if Jesse Lingard doesn't play a bad back pass, we're talking about a positive result in Europe to open the Champions League group stages. No one's angry. 
okay? That's it. It's simply an overreaction because it's Manchester United. Those who are Solskjaer out continue to be Solskjaer out and use that as a stick to beat him with. It's a bunch of nonsense. Now, is it Jesse Lingard's fault that ultimately United don't win? Yeah, he has to shoulder a lot of that, right? His direct error leads to a result. But does that mean he's a rubbish player or he needs to be kicked out of the club or we shouldn't be negotiating with him? That is contract. Seriously, if that's your opinion, there's the door. Absolutely ridiculous. Don't support a football club if you're going to be outraged every time a footballer makes a mistake. Hey, to see, you know what? I wish Jesse Lingard was as perfect as all the people who criticize him, Tom. They're faultless in their lives. Well, this, look, we'll get into just one more thing in Lingard's on the top of my list. And I don't want to criticize him too much, but it's, um, I'll leave it up to the debate. But um, I think Ian's obviously quite um, fond of your words there, Larry, but just comment here from Tom Coburn. Um, here's the thing that separates Ollie and the rest. If Man City were a man down or Liverpool, both Klopp and Pep respectively wouldn't crumble and they'll stick to trying to win the game. I've seen Pep absolutely panic, like he, nothing nothing else at Anfield and get pumped by four or five goals. Like Pep sort of often hits a fan and panics sort of thing. So look, comparing Klopp and Pep, they're two of the world's best managers. Solskjaer is not that. Um, yes, Manchester United, ideally in an ideal world, should have a manager of that stature. But the situation we've found ourselves in the last 10 years, we're not in that position. We needed a manager to do a different job, to do the job he is doing behind the scenes. Um, in five years, maybe our squad's in a position where we can go and get that top-class manager and take us to that next step. But we were in the absolute gutter when Solskjaer took over. And he's got us back to now talking about winning Premier Leagues, talking about winning Champions Leagues. It was never the case under Louis van Gaal or Jose Mourinho. We're hoping to get sixth. We're talking about can we qualify for the Europa League sort of thing. So it will be interesting. But look, everyone's in. No, not, none of the opinions here are wrong. It's just in terms of the way I think people react to certain results. Um, I've seen far worse results than this. And I can guarantee everyone in the comments there'll be far worse days this season um, than losing away at Young Boys. We're going, to get, we're going to get some bad results this season. But in saying that, we're going to get more good results and we'll probably beat a Manchester City or beat a Liverpool type thing. It will definitely be an up and down season. But just on that last bit on Lingard before we get into... Um, the absolute nightmare of picking three, two, ones. Um, <laughs> on Jesse Lingard, Paul Pogba and Jaden Sancho, I don't want to say they were up to no good because I'm sure they're professionals and they're doing the right things, but they were at Parklife in Manchester over the weekend after the game against Newcastle. And Parklife's just one of those festival sort of things. And you should assume, of course, they probably weren't out drinking. I have no idea, but you'd assume they weren't. And I don't want to criticise them. They've got a life. They can go and enjoy themselves. However, after a game against Newcastle, then you've got a trip to Switzerland to kick off your Champions League campaign. They're out there, um, out at Park Life. Do you think Cristiano Ronaldo's out there? Nah, come on, mate. Nah, that's no, too no, fun but, but when their performances don't back it up like that, if they performed, I'd say, oh, go and enjoy yourself. But it, it sets himself up like that Jesse Lingard thing with the clothing line saying, don't put it before Liverpool and then go perform like that. If they're going out like this and make it public that they're going out there and taking selfies and Paul Pogba's on stage. And look, I love these guys. I'm not criticising them too much. But then when you go and then put a performance in like that, Cristiano Ronaldo's there doing the right thing, scoring a goal. Look, I know it's a bit harsh and it's probably sort of clutching at straws a little bit, but... Look, yeah. look, Paul Pogba doesn't drink, right? So we can rule that out. The other thing is footballers need to be allowed to be happy to play their best football. We always hear this, right? And what was Fergie always renowned for? You're the He's a man manager. He would allow players to actually leave training, go off for a week. When, when Ronaldo's father passed away, if you can remember... Fergie actually told him, don't be at training, just go home, go back to Portugal, go spend time with your family. That's the marks of a good man manager, right? Paul Pogba enjoys a dance. So does Jesse Lingard. Jaden Sancho's 21 years of age. These guys are allowed to enjoy themselves. I'm not going to be critis- critical of them, 
because at the end of the day, they're not doing anything wrong. Now, if they're out getting shit-faced at 3 a.m., that's a different story, right? If they're going to a festival after the result of a football match, no issues there at all for me. If we saw footage of Jaden Sancho passed out in an alleyway in Manchester, then maybe we'd be having a different debate. Yeah, no, look, and Josh makes the point here, so it was three hours after the Newcastle game. And look, I, I don't have an issue with it. I just, when frustrations are high and you see them perform the way they do, because Jaden Sancho was poor again, Paul Pogba was poor, and Jesse Lingard ultimately, I'm not blaming him, but somewhat cost us the game. Um, it not is an tough. easy stick to beat them with. Not everyone's old and boring like you. Some people like to get out and see the sun and see a band live. Well, more people should be old and boring like Cristiano Ronaldo then, and um, maybe, <laughs> maybe we'd be a little bit better off. But um, yeah, just one more here before we move on. We all know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is on borrowed time now with Ronaldo at the club. Solskjaer is going to be massively exposed. Ronaldo will not put up with a rubbish manager. Oh, this guy's um, a happy chappy. Um, United haven't lost um, before. Fair play to him. Um, and Ryan saying no more cheesecakes. At the, no more cheesecakes at the buffet. Well, we move on to three, two, ones, and. I don't know how to go about this one this week. We obviously have to get the shovel out to scrape the bottom of the barrel, and we will give three, two, ones out um, each game because someone might have done a performance to be worthy of three points. And you don't want to take them or take that away from them. However, does anyone actually stand out for an obvious three points for you? Because if not, I think the way we should do it, maybe just in the comments, uh, maybe just everyone put their three points, um, not not your two points, not your one points, but just three points, and we'll see how many names pop up. Because at the moment, there's no one really sticking out unless you do have a three points. Um, you do want to hand out. I do have a three points. It's oh, Bruno freaking Fernandez. Did you see that pass? Yeah, no, no. But Bruno would maybe be the top of the list for me. I've just seen Adrian here saying three points as well and two for Donny. But yeah, Bruno maybe. Um, I thought De Gea had a not a great game, but a decent game. A few couple of important saves. Well, obviously, when you're the goalkeeper's on a losing side, you think, well, did they do enough? But I thought he couldn't do really anything about the goals, although he had a couple of good saves. Bruno, yeah, I actually thought he probably performed okay as well on the ball, but that's another reason why he would have been the substitution for me because with 10 men, Bruno Fernandes, the way he plays the game and the way he's sort of quite careless with the ball at times, that's not what you need with 10 men. That is why I, I might have substituted him, but he what, did perform quite well. And as you say, a killing pass. So definitely, I think I've seen a few comments in here for Bruno. Um, Eric's gone three for Bruno, um, Josh Bruno as well, Justin Bruno, yeah, Ellie Bruno. So, yeah, I don't know what I was talking about, not having a definite three, but obviously it was Bruno. I'll go back and watch the match. Actually, I'm not going to go back and watch the match, to be honest. <laughs> I think two points is easy as well, to be honest. Well, feel free not to hear. No, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. He's the only person who scored a goal and looked like scoring a goal. If Ronaldo was not on the pitch, United were not scoring a thing. Yeah, and, and the thing about Ronaldo is, okay, he's scored goals. It's unfortunate this goal doesn't sort of lead to anything. But we only talk about, okay, he's going to be the number nine. Can we create the chances? He's just about in there scoring goals. He's actually performing okay as well on the ball. And obviously, he's going to perform okay. He's one of the best footballers of all time. But I wasn't expecting that from him to get him not involved in the link-up play, but his touches there. And um, he's trying to make things happen. So, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to Ronaldo getting some points. I've just seen some comments in here as well that there are a few... I'm getting mixed up with the Ronnies and Donnies um, in the comments. So um, I've seen a few Ronnies. Okay, we'll, we'll go Bruno for three points, Ronaldo for two. And I've seen Don, um, Donny van der Beek, who, look, he only played 45 minutes. Was that enough for you to be in? Or have I been sort of just seen too many De Gea highlights? Oh, look, he was solid. Worthy of one point? You could argue no, because he's played half a football match. In saying that, there were players who played a full football match who also aren't worthy of a thing. 
It's really a difficult one. Um, I could make a case for Harry Maguire because I felt he didn't really do anything wrong. Did Fred do anything wrong? Fred's work Actually, rate. There, really there was a five-minute period in the second half. I think it would be on the 65th minute. Fred turned into prime Perlo for about five minutes. He was unbelievable. Well, he was touching the ball around the corner. He was getting in tackles. He was spraying the pass out wide. And, um, okay, that was unfortunately only five minutes. The other 85 minutes weren't fantastic. But, um, yeah, I, I thought I saw Fred. Um, look, it was, it was Fred. He wasn't great, wasn't good, but um, wasn't the worst on the pitch, unfortunately. But I've seen Donny van der Beek's name there um, a lot. Donny um, was... Donny did his job. For for what you want from Donny, he definitely did his job. It's just it's very hard, at least from my point of view, to give him a one point. But in saying that, it's not his fault he gets taken off either. It's it's a difficult one. I don't know, Tom. You know what? Leave it. Leave it to the leave it to the comments. Yeah. No, look, I'm seeing a lot of Donny Van Der Beek in there. Um, George is saying here. Sorry, um, Bruno three, um, Ronaldo two, Donny Van Der Beek one. They're in for the most influential players. Um, we're on the pitch. Uh, Michael Bruno, three. Ronnie, two. Donnie, one. Um, Ryan here has two points for Donnie. Um, so it's an interesting one. Um, I think the, the smartest comment of the night is Ian, one of our good friends from over in Perth. Tom for man of the match. Larry for two. Ollie for one. Me personally would have um, Ollie maybe for two points over Larry. Um, it's interesting. Look, look, I think Donnie van der Beek, just to give him something, because obviously... It's a nice well, message, right? not giving him anything. <laughs> well, we, he's not giving him anything, so we do have to sort of share the love around because it's unfortunate he, he stays on the field without the red card. The, the situation, well, some people would have said keep him on. Something had to be changed at halftime in Solskjaer's mind. Unfortunately, the easy substitution was um, Donny van der Beek. Now, that can be used as a criticism, which I would at Solskjaer for that decision. But again, he's the manager. He had to do something. Um, Donny van der Beek was the easy decision, and we've seen better managers in Solskjaer make those easy decisions. So um, who's interesting? But um, Eric leaves a comment here saying, do you guys have super chats off? I'd love to help contribute. Um, well, thank you for the offer, but no, we don't have super chats yet. And I don't think we'll ever get the stage where we're going to charge people to um, make a comment. Um, feel free to use the free comments in the chat box. Um, yeah, I don't feel right about charging people to have their say. But who knows when we've got a million subscribers, our, um, our morals might change, Larry. Uh, possibly, possibly. Look, Tom, if you want to send me, um, if you want to get me an Uber Eats, send a KFC to my house, mate. Oh, I'm not complaining, tell you that much. Yeah, just one or two more here before we move on. Lots of love for Donny. My score is just because I want to see more on the pitch. I think everyone's in the, in the same boat. Um, Adam here from the Supporters Club. Donny was good, switch out play when we need, also made the right-hand side look good. Do you think anyone in that game sort of put their hands up to play against West Ham next week or on Sunday? Oh... Not really. I'd love to see Donny get again get a start, but he won't. So, uh, look, not really, Tom. Um, it was just one of those games. Like we were poor. We were poor. It, it's not one, and I think this is what we need to do. We don't. I don't want to get stuck into this trap of overanalyzing a football match. So let's just treat it for what it is. It's one loss. If we finish top of the group in in December, no one's going to remember this result. So that's it. I think it's just one of those. Let's leave it as it goes and move on. And yeah, Ian, you're spot on. I do have enough COVID kilos. I'm working on it. There's a comment here from Edwina Bruce. Um, United lack physical uh, physicality players like Antonio Valencia and rugged players like Scholes and Keane because I think they lost the Champions League game. Young boys are more physical. Well, it was a very it wasn't very Champions League like game. It was very much like playing a Burnley or a Stoke or a, a team like that. And that's where I think we're talking about Fred. We're talking about Manic. Talking about Donny Van der Beek. One of Solskjaer's main players is Scott McTominay. He heavily relies on Scott McTominay. And um, 
I'm not saying he's the answer to our future in Man, in Man United's midfield, but in, in the short term for Solskjaer's thinking, he might be the solution. Look, I, I get the argument. It's a difficult one, to be honest. I, I don't know what Solskjaer does. It'll be really interesting, to be honest. I think this game, what it does do is it creates a selection headache of the opposite kind. What do you do with West Ham? And obviously, we'll, we'll do a match preview for that um, once we've actually had time to think about it and put a strong 11 together. But I tell you what, I'm be keen to know how far off Marcus Rashford is. From all reports, he's really close to coming back. So I'm, uh, once he's fit, he won't get out of the starting 11, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll be interested. In, uh, Michael here saying, I'll be interested to see Delo with more minutes uh, with early yes. cro- crosses. And it's going to be that interesting. That is a great call. That is a great call. The good, not the good thing about Wan Bissaka's red card, but the positive you have to take from it is now that forces Delo to play in terms of you can't just play Wan Bissaka, play Wan Bissaka, and just throw Delo in when he's suspended. Delo would need those minutes in the Premier League for for when the Champions League game comes around that he's ready to go. You can't just throw him in cold. So it will be interesting how that because we saw how the sort of the Tellez signing sort of spurred on Luke Shaw. Um, hopefully, this pressure from Diego Delo can spur on Wan Bissaka because he definitely needs it so far. Can I ask you, Tom, on Juan Basaka, right, I, are you just – I don't want to – again, I don't want to overreact over one football match, but I think this has been an issue with him for – well, since his time at United. His ability on the ball, do you think at some point that hamstrings him in terms of his longevity at Manchester United? I'm, I'm just – I know he's excellent, obviously, defensively. Maybe he's – I think, honestly, if he doesn't improve his product – I think there's an argument to say he becomes a squad player because you can't have that level of ability or lack thereof on the ball to the extent that he does. I think that it's actually starting to impact the way United play. And if they're insistent on playing out the back, you simply cannot have a right back who just simply can't get the ball out of his feet quick enough. I think if we stick around where we are, and look, at the moment we're sort of in a title race sort of thing, we're up and about challenging but I think if we stay where we are, where, okay, we could be in a title race, but we also could be in a fight for fourth or fifth. The situation we are now, Juan Bissaka has a future. He has a bright future at United. I think if we go on to dominate Premier League football and European football and are the best team in the world, I don't see a spot for Aaron Juan Bissaka. Then That's when I think he becomes the backup right back. At the moment, though, I think there are far more sort of pressing issues in the squad, um, no doubt, sort of midfield. But, um, yeah, Juan Bissaka, he'll, he'll need that pressure. Whether Diego Delos is that right person or whether... It should have been a £30 million pound Kieran Trippier. Um, time will tell. Um, Delo needs to perform to sort of provide that pressure for Juan Bissaka. But he will have it now because um, I didn't see in the comments if anyone did put it. But I don't know. I, I can't see him getting a three-match ban for that. But in the Premier League, if you do get a straight red, it's a three-match ban. So I'm not sure what the case is in the Champions League, how long he'll miss. I assume maybe it's two games. I'm not quite sure. Um, but just wrap up a little bit now. Um, Adrian here from the Man United Supporters Club. United lost their first game against Feyenoord back in the 16-17 Europa League group stages, and we end up lifting the trophy at the end of it. Plenty of time to turn it around. Yeah, and I remember the feeling after that. Um, everyone wanted Jose Mourinho out the door. Um, that was quite early in his stage. I remember that loss um, away in Holland. And Eric here, I'm just glad we had the squad depth now and we covered situations like this. I'm glad Oli rotated plays. And yes, some of his subs were maybe not the best choices, but I respect his choice. And that's what I think, especially the Ronaldo and Bruno one, if we go on to win 2-0 at West Ham, we'll just get the get the win away at West Ham and Bruno and Ronaldo have a good game, which you assume they will. If we if we win, they're going to have a good game. We're going to say, look, maybe that half an hour rest against young boys did the world a good. Now, if they stayed on the pitch and were doing doggies for the last half hour and we have a flat performance against West Ham, everyone will be screaming at Solskjaer, why didn't he take them off against young boys when we're down to 10 men? 
So it is a balance in that. Then Solskjaer needs to put it right. And the players need to put it right, but also Solskjaer. So interesting. That say, sorry, mate. Did you just say you were doing doggy during the football match? Not the one you were thinking of, but I've seen you play up and down the left-hand side of our supporters club team. And that's all you're doing, up and down, up and down, up and down, trying to get the ball, but no chance of getting it. And that's what Ronaldo would have been doing. Oh, sorry. I was. I had a different doggy in mind. Never mind. Carry on. That Adam saying here, um, three matches I read, which is, if it is three matches, that's he's, that's to match day four of the Champions League group. That, that's He's missing half the season kind of thing in terms of the Champions League. So that is a big um, suspension if, if the case. And it's an interesting one. Um, just one more comment here from George saying, we can't forget the impact that the crowd had on young boys. They lifted, especially when we went down to 10 men. And that, that is the thing. We're talking about our away record in the Premier League, but the away record was in front of no fans. Um Man United coming to town, whether it be in Switzerland or whether it be anywhere in England, is going to be the biggest game of their season. Um, young boys could face PSG, Manchester City, Barcelona, Real Madrid, whoever. Manchester United is going to be their biggest atmosphere of the season. Um, same case in England. That's something we're going to have to deal with. Our away record will go at some stage this season. Um, hopefully it's not at West Ham. Hopefully, I think we can break the record. Um, I think we equaled it last game, did we? But we're now on the verge of breaking it if we beat West Ham or don't lose. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the away record, uh, we've we've already betted it. We betted no, it. Uh, who, was, who was the last away game we had? So Wolves. Wolves. Yeah, Wolves. yeah. So with that with that result, United have gone past Arsenal. So shove your invincible trophy up your ass. Yeah, well, George, <laughs> George is just saying here, we broke it last game. Um, and I think we'll probably leave it there. Um, first of all, thank you, everyone, in the chat. Apologies if we didn't get to any comments. Um, obviously, a little bit more lively today in the chat, and I'm not a computer. Um, it's hard for me to sort of listen to Larry and work out all the comments, but we truly appreciate all the interaction and especially today, not just the interaction, but the difference of opinions. Uh, me and Larry are the ones here talking and have a voice, but um, our opinions obviously no more valid um, than anyone else. And sometimes when we're talking, we obviously disagree. So our opinion will quite often maybe be wrong. So um, we truly appreciate all the support in the comments. Uh, make sure you do leave a like on the video if you did enjoy the chat. And if you're not subscribed, please do click the subscribe button, um, closing on 200 subscribers. So that would be maybe a very good milestone to maybe reach before the um, West Ham game. Um, Larry, anything to add, mate? Hey, look, if you like Tom talking about doing doggy during the match, like the video. That's yeah, it. Not bad. Not bad. Just one here from Ian, one of our good mates in um, Perth. Great pod tonight, as always, insightful. So truly appreciate all the support, boys and ladies. I shouldn't some ladies in here. But have a good one, guys. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.